Welcome uh, to our study of Genesis. We are doing a recap, and the reason we're doing a recap is because we had some technical technical difficulties, uh, and we had some people that really wanted the Bible study, and they uh, missed it. So we're going to do an overview and go back through the study again. We are in uh, the book of Genesis, but before we do that, uh, I'd like to welcome all those who are watching online, and we're going to go to God in prayer. God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and the opportunity to share your word. And we ask, Lord God, that you illuminate our mind, uh, that we may see the truths of your scripture and that you be glorified in all we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today, we're in the book of Genesis chapter 12. Uh, we've seen a lot so far uh, going on. Uh, in the book of Genesis, we've seen the fall of man. We've seen a great big flood and we've seen God uh, start back over by telling Noah and his family to be fruitful, multiply and to fill the earth. And we've gone down through the lines of Noah and we've also gone down through his son Shem from which who whom Jesus's line will come. And through that line, uh, we see, and I'm going to start actually a little bit before there. I'm going to start in the book of Genesis chapter 11 and start at about verse 24. And it reads, uh, when Nahor had lived 29 years, he became the father of Terah. And after uh, he became the father of Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and had other sons and daughters. And after Terah had lived 70 years, he became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Aram. And this is the account of Terah. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, and she had no children. It's important for us to look at that because that's a foreshadowing. We know, uh, those of us who have studied the Bible, um, that that's going to be coming back up uh, fairly quickly and fairly soon. And so it's important for us to be able to look at those things and know the foreshadowing that's coming. Um, let's go down to verse 31. It says this, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. That's important right there because Abram is following his father. Abram is born in Ur of the Chaldeans. Uh, Abram is used to idol worship. His father uh, was in a uh, area that worshiped the moon uh, and moon gods. It's a very pagan uh, part of, of society at the time, but it's also a metropolis. So that means that Abram is highly educated in most cases, and Abram's used to urban and city living, but Abram is obedient. He follows his father, uh, and he goes to this place that his father is leading him to. Now, if you look at a map of where they are and where they're headed to, it is actually a straight shot to where they're headed to. But however, it's desert in between. And so they're not going to go through the desert. They're going to follow a path up through the river and land at a place called Haran. And although he does not know it, and Terah will not make it any further, 
but his son will become the father of many nations. That's encouraging to some of us who may have more years left on the uh, on the backside or on the front side than we do on the backside, that although we may not live to see all the promises uh, that God has, our children will live and be blessed for those. So it should be encouragement for us to move forward and to make sure that we make the moves that God is calling us to move and God is urging us to do. And so he died there uh, in, in that place, but Abram is going to move from that place. And that takes us over to the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse one. And it says this, this is an awesome passage. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed by and through you. That's important for us to denote because we see that Abram's blessing is sitting there waiting for him. But what he has to do is there's a condition tied to it and he has to leave his kindred. He has to leave his country. He has to leave his family and everything that he's known dear. And so that brings us to a question that I want to ask you tonight. Sometimes you have to leave what is familiar to get to what is spectacular. I want to repeat that because somebody might have missed that. Sometimes you have to leave what's familiar to get to what is spectacular, that God sometimes has some bigger blessings for you and bigger plans in his grand scheme that his name be made great. But are you willing to do what it takes to get to where God wants you to be? So because sometimes we don't ever get to the spectacular because we become so accustomed to the familiar. We're creatures of habit. We like to eat the same way. We like to eat the same things. We like to go to the same places and we really don't like change. Could it be that we're not receiving the change in our life that we want to receive because we have become too comfortable where we are? And God is speaking up to us today and telling us, if you were going to get the promise that I have for you, it's time for you to leave your comfort zone. If somebody's watching me out there, I want you to write in the chat that comfort kills. Sometimes comfort can kill your dreams because you can become comfortable and never want to go to something that's of a higher calling. Now, if you want to look at our Bible study notes, they're in uh, our website. If you go to www.encounter360.org, you'll be able to see our Bible study notes. If you'll go to the live stream and look down to your left, you'll see these notes uh, where you'll see our first question of the night. And it says, Abram's promise came with conditions. What are you willing to walk away from to walk into the promise that God has for you? Is it an old mindset that you need to get rid of? Because sometimes God is trying to take you to a different level, but you can't go to new levels with the same old mindsets. You can't do on this level what you did on the level before, because what it took on this level, it might take much more. So what are you doing? Are you changing your mindset? Are you beginning to read? Are you beginning beginning to bring on mentors or where you're trying to go in order to get to the place that God has for you? Are you trying to change some habits and behaviors that may be a little detrimental to where you're heading in order to make sure that you're getting to the place that God has called you to? Sometimes, and I know this is going to sound painful, you have to get rid of some familiar relationships. As much as we hate 
to, to several relationships in our life. Sometimes some people are just not designed to go with you to the next level that God has for you. That does not mean they're bad people. That does not mean that you guys didn't have a wonderful time together, but it does mean that this is where they get off on this stop. They're not prepared to go with you where God is calling you to. And if you ignore God and you begin to bring those people with you, as we'll see in a little bit with Abram, that they can cause you more headache than a little bit. Another one of our questions brings up a very, very powerful thought. It says, as long as you stay in that familiar, comfortable place, what do you risk not gaining? What do you risk not gaining by, by not making change in your life? What do you risk not gaining by doing something different in your life? What do you risk not gaining um, by failing to reach out for new partnerships and new relationships and new ideas? What are you risking being comfortable? What are you gaining by remaining comfortable and re remaining in the place that you're in? Are you willing to try something different? I'm here to tell you today that if you do what you always done, you will get what you always received. You'll get the same result. I believe it is the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. What God is calling us to sometimes is a higher purpose and to change what we've been doing. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. As your mind is renewed, so are your habits and your thought patterns. And when you change your habits and your thought patterns, you will begin to obey God. And in that obedience, you will find the blessing of God. That doesn't mean everything in your life will always go right. That doesn't mean everything in your life will go perfect, but you will find yourself in the will of God and that ultimately all things will work together for the good of those that love God and they're the called according to his purpose. Now, there's something I want you to pay close and special attention to. If you're following along with me in the scripture in the book of Genesis chapter 12, verse four, and that is that his name is not yet Abraham as we know him. His name is Abram. And as we see him in chapter 12, verse four, his name is Abram. And it will not be over until chapter 19 that his name is changed to Abraham. In other words, he received the promise that God has for him, but it takes from the age of 75 to the age of 99. And I'd ask you a question. What would that tell you about the faithfulness of God's calling on your life and how you should be faithful? I submit to you today that many of us have given up too soon and not received the blessing that God has for our life simply because God did not move on our timetable. I want to encourage somebody that may be on the verge of giving up that when it looks the darkest is generally when God's ready to shine the light. You may have been ready to give up. You may have been ready to throw in the towel, but I am going to tell you today, now is not the time to give up. Now is not the time. God's transforming you into who you will be. You may be known as somebody else later, but learn to work and prepare where you are now in your Abram moment. You might be in your Abram moment at the moment, but Abraham is on the way. Now, as we get to section two of our Bible study uh, in chapter 12, we start at verse four and I'm going to read verse four through nine and you can go along with me. It says, so Abram left 
Somebody say he left. That means that Abram was immediately obedient to what God told him to do, at least in part. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had and had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. So we see that Abram has a bit of wealth that he's already acquired. But if we remember uh, earlier, God told Abram to leave his kindred and his family and all the people that were with him and go to a land that he would show. Now, some theologians would say because Lot is his nephew, Lot will come under, uh, under his family. And so it was okay for Lot to go. But we don't see in scripture necessarily where Lot was supposed to go along on the trip. And, all the, and because he disobeyed God, because he didn't do exactly as he was told to do, we'll see in a few weeks that that caused some issues. And so that's a question. Uh, and I want to bring that up when question number five, it says Abram receives a word from God because he obeys. And I, I want you to know right now that some of your blessing is in your obedience. The reason some things have not happened in your life may just be because God is calling you to something and he's going to bless you in a place called there. And he's not going to bless you here. He's blessed you right here at this time. But for what he has for you, God is calling you to a different place. Come here, Elijah. Sometimes God will bless you by the brook. But at some point in time, the brook dries up. There's nothing wrong with the brook drying up because it was good for the season that it was in, but maybe it's time for God to call you to another season. Maybe it's time for God to call you to another level. And Abram has taken his family and his possessions, and he's begun to strike out to the land that God has called him to. And verse six says this, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah, where there was probably uh, an altar there already or a center of worship that was set, set there, a Canaanite center of worship at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in that land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there for the Lord who had appeared to him. What I want you to take special note of is that we saw this just a couple of weeks ago in our study that as soon as Noah got off the boat, Noah built an altar to the Lord. And I want to reiterate how important it is for men to be able to lead uh, their families in worship and to make worship a central part of their life. It's important for men to lead in worship. One of the reasons that we do the man up moment is to encourage men. We want them to lift up, build up, and step up as men in the kingdom of God. And we see that as God is communicating and communing with Abram, Abram takes the time to worship God. He receives a word from God because he obeys, and then he builds an altar there because he's connected and communed with God there. And where we recently seen this is something important to think about, that every time you see a man right now in the Bible that God is using, he is a worshiper. He is a person who takes the time to make worship a priority. He's a person that takes the time to make their quote unquote 
church time a priority. And God is calling men today to make church again a priority, make an altar uh, again your priority, not just in the four walls of the church, which we are commissioned to do from Hebrews 10 and 25 and other scriptures, but to make an altar in your home, to make your home a center of worship and become the leader that God has come in, is calling you to be. Now I have a PowerPoint, and if you have something to write down, I want you to write this down. It says, if you want direction from God, you must be obedient to God. Many times we're wanting God to move in our situations, but we want him to move the way we want him to move. And if we simply be obedient to God and his word, what we are looking for would manifest and would come to pass. Many of our relationships would be better if we just applied the word of God to how we live our life and how we handle our relationships. Our finances may be better if we just applied the word of God to how we live our life and how we treat our finances that if we want a blessing from God, it's important for us to be obedient to God. And in this scripture, uh, Abram is now hearing from God about things that will happen to his posterity that he wouldn't have heard if he was still sitting in Iran because God was moving and speaking in Canaan. And I've come to tell you that God has a Canaan for you. God has a place and a purpose for you, and he will speak to you what you need when you get there. If you know and you prayed and you know God is moving you to a place that is unfamiliar, I'm encouraging you to make sure that you're praying and truly seeking God and trusting God to know that when you get to the place that God is sending you, provision will be there. I've come to tell you that from personal experience, I know that if you'll step out on faith to what God is calling you to and step out on the boat, just like Peter did, uh, step out of the boat, you might not see the water hold you up. But if you're bold enough to step out of that boat and it really is God telling you, God's going to hold you up. But you've got to be able to trust him and you've got to be able to trust the leading of the spirit in your life. We even see. In verse eight, that when Abram goes off again, it says in verse eight, from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent and with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east there, here it is again, he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. I wonder, are there any men out there or any women that are willing to build altars and to call on the name of the Lord that are willing to connect with God on a very personal and a spiritual level and to make worship of God central in your life? I know there are a lot of things out there that are competing for our time and are competing for our attention. And some of them are noble and some of them we have responsibilities too, and we need to take care of those things. However, we always need to make sure that worship of Christ is essential. It is important. And we see already that everywhere Abram is going, he is building an altar and he's worshiping God. So I want you to see that if you're following along in the study guide, that our worship should be consistent. It should be consistent and it should be persistent. We should make sure that our worship life and our prayer life with God is important. And if we're going to be following a life of faith and walking by faith, it's important that we commune with God in his word. It's important that we commune with God in prayer. 
Also, we should always make sure that we keep reminders of God's faithfulness. Why is that important? Because not only is an altar a center of worship, but as they built altars in the Old Testament, those altars that were built of hewn stone and, and of earth made up were always there to give a, a testament of where God was doing something in their life, to make a testament of a momentous occasion. I want to let you know that there are going to be some ups in your life and there are going to be some downs in your life. But when there are ups and when there are downs, you need some altars in your life. You need some places in your life where you can go back and look and review the goodness of God in your life. I want you to take a sheet of paper and just number it one to 10 and write down 10 things that are blessings in your life. 10 times when you could realize that you didn't have provision, but somehow God made a way for you. 10 times when you could realize that you didn't know how you were going to get your healing, but somehow God healed you or somebody in your family. 10 times or 10 instances where you realize that you were blessed beyond measure. If you can't find any, I'll give you one to start with that he woke you up this morning. When I was young, they used to say he woke me up this morning and he started me on my way. That's two. He gave me a a reasonable portion of my health and strength. There's three. And I remember deacons praying prayers when I was young that would say that, Lord, I want to thank you that the bed I got laid in last night wasn't my cooling board and my sheet wasn't my winding sheet. What does that mean for somebody who doesn't know what those euphemisms mean? What they're basically saying is, Lord, I'm thankful that when I laid down last night, I was able to get up again. I was able to give you thanks. I've come to tell you that you may have pain in your body, but at least you're here to feel the pain. You may not move as fast as you used to move, but thank God that you can move at all because there are some people who have legs that can't walk. There are people that have tongues that can't speak. There are people who have ears that can't hear. There are people that have eyes that can't see. So when you're going to come to those low places in your life, because life is not monolithic, you're going to have some high points and you're going to have some valleys. So take a journal and write down some of the blessings that God has done in your life. So when you're in those low places, you can go back and see what God has done for you. I like what David said about it. David said that I would have fainted unless I would be glad that I could see the goodness of God in the land of the living. In other words, what David is saying is if I didn't have anything or any experience that I could reach back to, I wouldn't have made it. But as I've lived through my life, I've looked and saw the goodness of God in my life. Is there anybody that's watching this stream or listening right now that knows that God has been really good to you? If he has, type in the chat, he's been good to me. I don't know about you, but God has been really good to me. God has blessed me beyond measure. And this is the wonderful thing. God has blessed me in spite of me. I don't know if you're like me, but I know that some of the blessings I have, all of the blessings I have, I really don't deserve. But in spite of me, I'm going back to my childhood roots and using some of the old, old sayings of the past that God looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. Is there anybody that can say that right now? God, you look beyond my faults. You look beyond my imperfections and you bless me anyhow. We see that Abram is consistent in blessing God, and we want to make sure that we are consistent in blessing God. God tells him that all the nations of the earth will be blessed 
through you. And I'm going to give your offspring this land. And Abram responds to that by giving God glory. He responds to it by giving God honor. He responds to it by giving God praise. Now we're going we're gonna to look at something where the tide is beginning to turn. In chapter 12, verse 10, it says this. It says, now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. You say that say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you. Hmm. I'm going to keep reading because I want to go all the way through 20 and we're going to come back and visit this. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that she was very beautiful, a beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep, cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maid servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is your sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. <laughs> then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram to his men, and they sent them on his way and with his wife and everything he had. Now, I have a an important question right here, uh, and I want you to go along with me as I read this question. It says that, after Abram receives and responds to the word of the Lord, famine hits. Now, the first thing I want to ask is, did God tell him to go to Egypt? God told Abram to go to Canaan. So I want to ask a question. How do you respond when you are experiencing something that is different from what you were expecting? That God gave you a word, but it hasn't manifested yet. God has given you a vision or a dream, but it hadn't manifested yet. And the territory in which you sit is less than ideal. You're in adverse situations and you're in, in, in uh, places that are not, uh, they're not beneficial to you. How do you respond when things aren't yet as the way you would expect them to be? Do you give up? Do you throw in the towel or do you give it some time or do you do what most of us do? You try to solve the problem on your own and hope that God will help you pick up the pieces and help you with the consequences. God didn't tell Abram to go to Egypt. We know that there are people that were in that famine that did not die, obviously. Canaan was not wiped out. So although there was a famine, I can understand why he would try to leave, but he got ahead of God. Is there anybody out there who's ever gotten ahead of God before? Is there anybody out there who's tried to help God out and, and to do things that God hasn't necessarily told them to do instead of being patient and waiting on God? I hear the book of Isaiah saying, for they that wait upon the Lord. I know right now that somebody's listening to me is about out of strength. As this pandemic becomes an endemic, you're out of gas emotionally, 
physically, mentally, you're almost on the verge of giving up. You're on the verge of closing your business. You're on the verge of closing your ministry. You're on the verge of walking away from everything and trying to do something different. But I want to tell you, don't give up on God. Don't try to make your own solutions out of it. Take some time and give some careful prayer and direction to see what God is saying to you about your next move. Because if you trust God and follow God's leading, your next move could be your best move. But if you do not, your next move could cause you calamity. And we see because Abram has decided to go down to Egypt, he is put in a position to be dishonest. He is put in a position to do some things that are less than what God is calling him to be. He has some character flaws and some character issues that are starting to show up under pressure. It is under pressure when we find out where our character really is. And I want to hone in right here on verse 12 and verse 13 because it says, uh, it gives us some insight into the mind of Abram. He says this, he says, I know that you're a beautiful woman. Verse 12, he says, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Now, I want to ask you a question. How does he know what the Egyptians will say? I know historically, and we know through, through uh, study, that it would be likely potentially that they could kill him and take his wife because she's fair and they're not going to respect him. They'll look at him as a transient and he won't have any rights. And it's very possible that this could happen. But what we hear here is not what they're saying. He's projecting his fears and putting them in their mouth. So I see, I put in here that it says, we see Abram placing his fears in their mouth. And I have a question I want to ask you. How many times have we allowed fear to lead us to an irrational response? Because we allowed our fears to drive the bus, because we allowed our fears to tell us what the outcome of a situation would be, and we didn't get wise counsel, and we didn't seek prayer, and we didn't seek God, that we automatically assume what would happen, and we acted on that. How many arguments could we have avoided in our relationships, in our partnerships, in our marriages, in, in all avenues of our life, had we not projected what we thought somebody meant by what they said and simply said, what do you mean by that? How many times have we wrecked things and taken things far too far than they were supposed to go because somebody did something to us and we assumed that we knew why they did it and we allowed our fears and insecurities to look at what they did as an attack rather than getting some clarity on the situation. So Abram has devised a plan <laughs> because he doesn't want to lose his life rather than protect his wife as he's been called to do. We've seen this before, haven't we? We've seen this in Adam. Rather than protect his wife and stand up to be the man that he's called to be, self-preservation is on his mind. He's worried about preserving himself. So what he does is he basically sells off his wife. We see in verse 14, it says, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians did see, they saw that she was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He was treated, he treated Abram well for her sake. And watch this. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle 
male and female donkeys, men servants, maid servants, and camels. In other words, Abram traded his wife, which was a female, for wealth. He traded his wife and her body and favors to somebody else so that he could benefit and save his life. We have a word for that today. And we're not going to go into what that word is today, but we see as Abram has been put under pressure and he's made a few missteps trying to follow as best he can God, we see that Abram has had a compromise in his integrity. Now, is Sarah really his sister? We can see, yes, Sarah really is his sister. Sarah is the daughter of his father, but not the daughter of his mother. And we see that in Genesis chapter 20, verse 11 through 13. And why do we see that? Because later in the chapter, in chapter 20, we'll, we will see that Abram is going to do this very same thing again. Which leads me to believe that if we don't handle our character flaws and our character issues and do the hard work of looking introspectively in our life, just because something hasn't popped up one time does not mean that it will not pop up again. So it's important for us to do the hard work. It's important for us to study the word of God and not just study it for head knowledge, but allow that word to permeate in our lives. Allow that word to read our mail. Allow that word to show me the things that are wrong in my life. Uh, search me, David said, and know me, O God, and see if there be any unclean thing in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It's important for us to do daily devotionals and allow the word to deal with those things that we really don't want touched in our life. Those things that make us uncomfortable in our seat when the preacher is preaching. That's why it's another important reason that we should be in the house of God when we can be. Digital technology is a ministry. We're using that ministry right now. We're helping some people who could not make it to our service tonight. Although we had a great time with the people who were already there and already here, but we're able to use this ministry to bless other people. But sometimes we need to be sitting in a seat where we can't change the channel. Oh, come on, somebody. We need to be sitting somewhere where we can't flip through the stream when, or flip through the podcast or speed ahead when we're sitting somewhere and we know the word is hitting us in a place that's making us uncomfortable. Because if we don't allow that word to deal with us on those levels, we will never be what God is calling us to be. And then when we get under pressure, we will see our character flaws begin to come to the surface. Just because you don't see them all the time does not mean mean that they're not there, but sometimes, as we would say where I'm from, too much pressure will bust the pipe. And sometimes those pipes will bust in our life because we have not dealt with our character. And so I want to encourage you today to make sure that you are dealing with those things in your life. And we see right here that Abram has taken a play from the playbook of Satan. We've seen Satan do this. Satan has told partial truths. And where I'm from, they generally say that a half truth is a whole lie. So it's important to know that when we are deceptive, when we are not honest with others, not only has Abram put his wife and her purity in jeopardy, not only has Abram done that and harmed other people, but Abram has put Pharaoh in harm's way because he has decided to be deceitful. When we are deceitful and we do not tell the truth, it is harmful to all the people around us. Here's something that, that you might not know. 
Even if you've done it, if you fess up, if you messed up, fess up, get up and move on. Once you've admitted it and it's out in the open and, and, and the enemy doesn't have anything to hold over your head anymore, don't just deal with half-truths. Be completely open and honest because when you're not, it can cause hurt and harm to other people. <laughs> and we see this with Abram. Abram is telling half-truths, which are really whole lies. I want to speak to somebody today who has a problem with honesty. No, don't change right now. Don't flip past the podcast. Uh, don't, don't, don't move right now. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm talking to you. Uh, uh, I want you to hear this because you can't receive what God has for you unless you can be completely honest. And if you're not being honest with people, it's a prime indicator that you're not being honest with the person where it matters most, which is yourself. I submit to you, the person we lie to to most is ourselves. We end up in those same old situations. Why? Because we won't be honest. We blame everybody else for the shape that we're in. We blame every other situation for the shape we're in. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm in this situation because I caused it. Yes, some people might have helped with the atmosphere and, and some situations might have made the atmosphere right for me to do what I did. But at the end of the day, I have to be accountable that it was me that did it. And when we are honest with ourselves, God can help us. God can change us. God can deliver us. It is my personal belief that one of the reasons that God was a man, David was a man after God's own heart is because David wasn't perfect. But when David messed up, David was man enough to be honest. David was man enough to repent when he had done something wrong. David was man enough to be told the truth about himself and not run from the truth, but embrace the truth and say, God, sometimes it was good that I was afflicted. It was good that I had trouble because had I not had that trouble, I would not have learned your law. But as we close today, I want you to see something very important that although Abram has done something horrible, he sold his wife off. He's lied about who his wife is. He's put his wife in danger. But at the same time, not only is God going to protect his wife, God is going to protect him. He puts a plague on the house of Pharaoh. He makes it known, and apparently we can deduce from the text that Pharaoh is trying to figure out what's going on. And some scholars believe that from how he says it, that he has found out from Sarah the truth that Sarah has told him, uh, before you lay with me, I'm actually a married woman, and this is probably why these things are happening in your household. Now, Pharaoh could have gotten mad. Pharaoh could have destroyed Abram from that lie. He could have killed Abram. He could have killed Sarah. There are many people that could have been destroyed, but God has made Abram a promise, and I'm so glad that God is faithful even when we're faithless. Even when we don't respond in faith, even when we don't do what God is calling us to do, even when we make mistakes, even when God gives us direction and sometimes we miss it. I don't care how holy and how spiritual you are. Sometimes God is speaking to you, but yes, we miss it. Sometimes we look at the word and, and we miss it. But this is the thing. We have a loving God that when we miss it, he will pick us back up and protect us. He will pick. Aren't you so glad that his mercy? 
mercies are new every morning. Aren't you so glad that God knows what you did, but he still loves you anyway? The Bible says that God demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I don't know if you know it, but all of us at one point of time have been a yet sinner. And we are yet to have some sins that we're going to do. But God has covered them and changed our status through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are now seated with him in heavenly places. Aren't you glad that God's mercies are renewed every morning? You have an automatic subscription to the mercies of God. You don't have to renew your subscription. All you have to do is open your eyes. And if you're opening your eyes, guess what? That's his mercy being renewed right there because he didn't have to wake you up this morning. He didn't have to give you another chance to get it right. Some of us went to bed angry and let the sun go down on our anger. He did not have to give us a chance to get up and restore those relationships that we're broken. He didn't have to give us a chance to get up and say, I'm sorry. He didn't have to give us a chance to tell somebody that I love you that we innated, negated to do because sometimes it's not just the things that we do that are a sin but sometimes the things that we omit sins of omission the things that we fail to do if you're a man and you've listened to the study and you say you know what I'll be honest I really haven't led my family like I need to lead them I really haven't led my family in worship. I really haven't led my family in Bible study. I really haven't led my family in prayer. The fact that God is letting you listen to this broadcast right now is one of his mercies because he's given you another chance to get it right. The Bible says it's because of his mercies that we are not consumed. God wants everybody to not perish. The Bible says that it is not God's will that any man should perish. If you don't believe me, I'll give a survey in the chat. How many of you would name your child Jezebel? I'm pretty sure out of all the names in the world and sometimes some of the outlandish names that we find for children, I don't think I've ever found any one person, celebrity or anybody else that's willing to name their child Jezebel. That's how bad Jezebel is. That's how bad her reputation was. But isn't it amazing that even in the Bible, we see God say, I gave her space to repent. He gave her time to change. We'll see that although God has a call on Abram's life, he's not through with Abram. And we see God rescue Abram from his mistakes. I want to speak to somebody for just a second who feels the call of God on your life. It might not be to pulpit ministry. It may not be to, to traditional what we call ministry. It may be to ministry just on the street corner speaking. We need some street corner prophets nowadays to be able to proclaim the word of God. It may be he's calling you to start a small group. It may be he's calling you just to like and share podcasts like this and broadcasts like this so that other people can get the gospel. But whatever he's calling you to. Don't delay. Yes, we can talk about some of the things that Abram did wrong, but there's one thing that Abram did right. He believed God. He trusted God. He moved when God said move. And we know from the scripture that God credited it to him for righteousness. Will you trust God today? Will you believe God today? Will you accept this plan for your life? If you don't know him today, he doesn't want you to be forever separated from him. The Bible says that all that call on the name of the Lord, for they that call on the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. Right now where you are, God can save you. If you will repent, submit to God and turn from your ways, God will bring you in. If you'll accept the sacrifice of his son, Jesus on the cross. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, but you feel that pull of the Holy Spirit on your heart. It's time to surrender to Christ. It's time to receive the promise of God. Abraham is not through because the promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. God made him a promise. If God has made you a promise, I want to encourage you. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't close your ministry. Don't quit on your marriage. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on what he's called you to. You might be in your Abram season, but Abraham's on the way. In between, you're going to have some mistakes. You're not going to get everything right. You're not going to get everything perfect. But oh, thanks be to God for his tender mercy and his loving kindness. That if you'll submit to God, God will take you places that you've never even dreamed. He will use you to be a blessing. There are other people that are waiting to be blessed through your obedience. He said, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. And through you, all of the people will be blessed. That blessing for Abraham was that through his seed, the promised seed from Genesis 3 and 15, that we will see Jesus come down through his lineage. And Jesus is going to bless the entire world. That all those who are lost have a chance to be saved. Will you submit to him today? If this is blessing you today, like it, share it with somebody. You never know what life you'll touch. Like it and share it. The more it's liked and shared, the more it can get out there, the more it'll pass through those algorithms, the more that it will bless other people. And we pray that it's blessing you. If it's blessing you, send us a message and just let us know. It's blessing me. Because that's why we do this. We want to be obedient to God and to his word. Even in this pandemic that's becoming an endemic, God has sustained you and been faithful. Count your blessings and look forward to his promise. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to break your bread of life. I thank you, God, that somebody might listen to this and it might give them hope for the future. Lord, I thank you that you are touching people's lives and people's hearts right now. Lord, I thank you that somebody may listen to this and get saved and give their life to you. Or find the hope and the courage to go on and not to quit. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for that person who's sitting there with tears in their eyes, wanting to give up. Lord God, that you embolden their hearts. That after they have done all they have done to stand. To stand there for. Yes. Lord God, we submit to your will. And we submit to your way. They know you're speaking to them right now. You're speaking to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Keep us and guide us and bless this study so that your people may be blessed by it, that your people may share it, and that ultimately you get all the glory 
the saints be edified and the enemy be horrified and you be glorified. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.